back to Stinkcast. Today we're joined by Daniel Roche, who you might be more familiar with as Ben from Outnumbered. He's currently studying in London and he's joined us today to give us a quick talk about some of his past and present experiences. Hope you enjoy. Thank you very much for joining us. Welcome back to Stinkcast. Today we're joined by Daniel. So instead of me trying to give a, a kind of rubbish intro here, even though I'm sure an introduction is not really needed, I'll just um, leave it over to you and you give us a, a quick introduction to yourself. Oh, all right. Um, hi, I'm uh, I'm Daniel Roche. Uh, I was slash kind of am aspiring to be again uh, an actor. I, I was an actor when I was uh, younger, and I started in. Um, yeah, my most famous role was definitely Ben from the BBC sitcom Outnumbered, and I go to King's College London University. Nice. Um, probably one of the most recognisable child actors I know from sort of my generation or around then. Um, pretty huge yeah. parts. That spanned quite a few years as well, didn't it? Yeah, man. Um, Ten? God, yeah. I think But if we're talking like pilot to, to the final episode we ever filmed, which was the Christmas special in 2016, then, then yeah. Yeah, so quite a long time to be playing one character as well then. Yeah, man. I mean, everyone, like, it just kind of gets, like, becomes you. Um, I never, because I, obviously I never did enough for my name to actually get known. So I'm, so 90% of people who, who recognize me, I'm, I'm Ben from Outnumbered. And do you still I'm, find... Daniel Ben from Outnumbered. Yeah. Do yeah. you still find now as well, because obviously it being a part as a child actor, um, there's, that was you when you were very young. Are you still getting recognized today from that role? Um, with the hair, yeah, I I, I kind of alternate between um, I shave it and then I let it grow long like this and then shave it again because it's so long to style. Um, and yeah, it's this this point when it's like properly coming close to shave time again. Yeah. But yeah, all of a sudden <laughs> everyone recognizes me again. That's so interesting. If you want to go incognito, you just give it the cut that I've yeah, got. No, and then you, so yeah, literally so easy. It's not people, I, nothing. <laughs> Amazing. that's amazing yeah judge when you need a haircut by like as you walk down the street a few more people start to notice yeah. like wait a minute i know yeah. who that is yeah um yeah definitely i mean it is it's kind of like those curly locks are probably um definitely associated with that character as well mm. yeah. i mean you could get that hair in short i reckon i think mariah carey's done it with certain body parts and stuff like that get that, get they, that wig. they made a wig of it uh, they, they? they took a little bit because obviously yeah, man. Long, it's just it's a funny story because we were kids. Obviously, there's there's um, labour protection laws, so you can't be on set for too long without break, and you can't have too long a work day. And that was especially when we were much younger. So they got like a little bit. They like cut a lock off my hair and cut a lock off Mona's hair, like the the sister. And they made they went and got wigs made of of the hair, so that when obviously we couldn't film. And they were filming a scene that we were in, but in a shot that didn't focus on us directly. They'd have like one of the runners or even one of the directors, like just kind of pop this wig on their head and kind of just stand in the corner of shot. So you'd see a little, a little bit of curl in the screen or something That's like that. That's incredible. One of the secrets yeah, of show business. I kind of wish someone had made a wig of my hair when I was younger. I could probably do with that round about now. Yeah. But, but that, that's, yeah, that's incredible. Um, so somewhere out there, there's a perfect wig of your hair kind of lining I, I mean, the box, maybe. I, it never got back to me. So they either still have it or it's in a bin somewhere. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, mm. So going back to that part as well, uh, how did you actually manage to get the part of Ben? I imagine it was probably quite a big part a few people going for. 
yeah, I mean, um, the show picked up a, like, it wasn't, there wasn't that much hype about it. So it wasn't as if it was like a really hyped up role. Um, Andy and Guy had uh, a decent amount of prestige in terms of stuff they'd already done, the directors and writers. Um, they'd done some other kind of pretty successful British comedy stuff. But yeah, for, I remember for the first season even, it wasn't even that big. It kind of blew up from the second one. Uh, so the auditions were very low key. Um, at that point, I'd only done a couple adverts and uh, an episode of Casualty. And yeah, I turned up and they just uh, got me to argue with, with if they, it was Hugh Dennis was there and it was Andy. Or was it? God, I can't, um, can't even remember. It was so long ago, man. I was six. I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember this. Um, yeah. So I arrived, and the the premise was something along the lines of, uh, your dad wants you to go to bed at this time, like, argue that you shouldn't. And I was always a argumentative little kid. So that wasn't that wasn't too difficult. Because um, obviously, so much of the show was kind of improv. That was kind of what they were really looking for. Which is really interesting. I mean, did you find, so the first time you went onto that set or even when you did stuff before and they kind of say action, did you find that quite easy? Were you a natural at that as a kid? Oh, when you're, when you're a kid, you don't think about that sort of stuff. Like obviously you, you, your imagination runs so wild when you're that age. Um, and yeah, I remember especially, I was always such an argumentative little kid. Um, like it, it, it very much kind of, did come without thinking. They they brief us. Obviously, we didn't we we didn't mastermind the whole the whole thing. Like there was a a, a set premise that we'd follow. Um, but in terms of uh, kind of the improvisation, especially in those younger years, yeah, it was just it was just fun. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, if you ask me now to do something, as soon as it goes action, like even recording this, I get kind of weird about it. But I imagine if you're a kid and you you kind of yeah, man, it's yeah. just kind of normal. I mean, now I'm at, now it's definitely different. Now I do actually like because obviously now you process and like even the later seasons and and kind of the later years of filming it. Yeah, but those early years definitely it was so kind of just natural six year old, seven year old being a six year old, seven year old. You know. And so just going back quickly as well, your episode of Casualty. Were you injured or were you what? What was your role yeah. in Casualty? Yeah. What was your injury? Yeah, I, um so oh, the, if anyone if anyone can find my twitter there's a clip of it on twitter and i i talk about young i'm like four uh and yeah i played this little kid called douglas who ha had learning difficulties and like was really a social outcast at four uh and it had <laughs> looking back on it it seems kind of silly now but anyway uh yeah i was a patient who had jumped off of the top of my school but not in that way in in the way that he was trying to replicate his favorite superhero who is a, this this kind of made up one called night eyes um and he could see in the dark and uh, like fly had a bunch of powers and they didn't delve too deep into night eyes but i remember it wasn't just me coming in with a broken bone from jumping off my school um, because they realized that I was all orange in all these places. Um, and it's because uh, to achieve Night Eyes' powers of seeing in the dark and stuff, um, Douglas had just been eating tons of carrots. <laughs> and 
and it actually developed this this real life disease called uh, keratinemia, which is basically where you like eat so much of it, it it like affects the the pigments of your skin, and like you start to go a bit orange, like your hands and arms and stuff. Mate, that's and amazing. Like, yeah, Douglas right. had this real complicated character narrative to him. Yeah, for a four year old. Mm. If this was like Graham Norton right now and we were better prepared, I'd be throwing up a clip of you just bright orange <laughs> as a kid. But unfortunately, as I said, it's, it's, it's somewhere on the Twitter. Yeah. I found, I remember I, I saw it tweeted years ago and I, and I kept it there. I'll 100% be checking that out later on. That sounds pretty jokes to be fair. Um, yeah. So, did you find, so starting that, I mean, your memory and that memory of that being four years old, do you find you remember that anyway or is it looking back on clips? Is that the reason you can remember it? Because you kind of go back and watch stuff from your youth? It's a, it's a bit it's a bit hazy, but it's, yeah, I have memories of it. I mean, you never really, when you're that age, you don't, you don't really know what's kind of actual memory and what's what you've made up to, you know, fill the lack thereof. But, um, yeah, yeah, I definitely, because I remember it, we filmed it down in Bristol, which is where Casualty was filmed at the time. And obviously I was a four-year-old with my dad going on like a little weekend trip to Bristol or something like that. So it was just quite a fun the whole, the whole experience was very fun to me. I remember getting on really well with all the um, actors. I remember everyone was so nice to me, which kind of, you'd expect more in a show like Unnumbered, where obviously it's so focused around that. But for a show like Casualty, which is a machine, where like they consistently churn out episodes, you know, that's not always the case. They can be. But yeah, thankfully, I had a real great experience. Like, everyone there was real nice to me. I remember we, my dad and I went to Bristol Zoo Nice. In, the, in my day off yeah, yeah. it was I've little, little pockets of hazy memory like that yeah yeah that sounds amazing um I mean do you remember any of the adverts that you starred in as well do you remember what you were promoting hmm. yeah I was in a first one was a uh god was it Huggies I can't remember but it, I, I wasn't that young I was like three I was gonna say that started no, 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 was, yeah yeah, no, I was four. I was four because it wasn't yeah. there like diapers. It was like um, a bedwetting. It was a bedwetting advert. Yeah, nice. But obviously, but like my role in the advert was I had to, um, I think the whole premise of the advert was kids behaving, like misbehaving before they're supposed to go to bed because it was all about kind of bedwetting diapers. Yeah. And my cat, my guy was brushing the teeth of his reflection in the mirror so i'd like put toothpaste on the mirror and was like brushing that with my teeth out and then the mum peeps her head around and has a look and that was it i did that was like an afternoon's work that was my first job and then after that um god what else oh i was the king's mill boy for uh that was that that was quite big big. yeah Yeah, that was quite big because they showed my advert for a long time and that was the first time i started getting recognized because obviously i was so I had really curly hair, really long curly hair, and I was so cute back then. I had like, big cheeks and a little bit like a cherub. Um, so yeah, I got recognised off that. And the whole premise of that was, um, instead of like my guy, my guy, every every bit of food he went to eat that his parents had prepared for him, there was a fish in it, and and the whole and like, it involved like. Like yeah, five year old me like putting my hand in my pocket and pulling out like a dead fish, and it was all the it was all the idea that um, you can get the same amount of like uh, nutritional value from using Kingsmill bread to to a fish. But nice. so that was, yeah, that was that. But 
I like this idea that you were just typecast instantly as this naughty kid. Like, we don't know what you were doing yeah. on screen, but they just like everything you're in, like, right, you're, you're a little shit, right, go. Yeah, Pull the fish yeah, out, stop putting toothpaste on the mirror. Love it. Mate, I, I, I get the feeling, though, in the Kingsman one, he was a bit of a victim because I remember I had to act. I mean, it wasn't hard. I'm holding dead fish as a four-year-old. Um, but it, like, I had to act pretty pretty weirded out, pretty um, like uncomfortable with the fact that my parents kept giving me like, because it was like an ice cream cone with a dead fish in it. And then there was like a sandwich just with dead fish in it. Um, it sounds traumatic. If I was getting that yeah, as a kid, I'd be having PTSD from this, I think. Well, they, 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 were, they were nice enough to me. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it kick-started my career. So I definitely can't complain. Thank you very much, Kingsman. Nice, um, yeah. <laughs> and then I think my last, that was, I only did three adverts, I'm pretty sure. My last advert was... One for an in, one of the big insurance companies that's now gone, and I was actually non-existent in it. It was Ross Kemp, who was in the kind of foreground, and it was just me and uh, a girl playing around on a like playset in the back. But my dad knew Ross Kemp, um, and really? so we were yeah, because because he's from where I'm from in London, um, and even then, like he played for the amateur rugby club that kind of got me started with rugby um and so my dad knew him um and so we were just kind of jostling around with ross kemp which was fun that is a yeah. pretty cool story yeah definitely mm. i mean so when you first started as well was it um something that people wanted you to go into were you being pressured at all to do it or how, how did you start to do that no it was all accidental um uh, i joined a little saturday like a local um, Saturday morning dance drama acting sort of thing, like an hour of each. Uh, it's called Susie Anshaw's Barnet. Um, and yeah, uh, I joined that age like four because my friend did and she didn't want to go alone. And obviously like before you don't have much autonomy over, over your social life. So my mum was like, yeah, why don't you go with your friend? Um, and I enjoyed it there. And then because as I said, at that age, I was really kind of, I was looked exactly like a cherub. Like I was so kind of ideal for all those adverts where you just want a little cute kid. Um, that yeah, they uh, they scouted me for the agency then. And yeah, I mean, I, especially in those years. Obviously now I look at it more as more as a career. And like in the later years, I always did because at the end of the day, it is what I want to do. It's fun. But in those days, especially, the only reason I ever did it was because it was fun. Um, I always got a real kick out of doing it. It was it was a fun thing to do, um, and my parents like I there was no experience in my family of this sort of thing. I was really the first to enter that kind of world, um, and they just kind of along for the ride. Like five, if, if as long as I was enjoying it, they were happy to let me keep doing it as long as it didn't get in the way too much, and it and it didn't. So it's it's interesting isn't it because as you say for you it was something that was very natural you probably weren't putting too much thought into it i imagine it was probably actually a stranger experience for your parents um a lot of yeah. a lot of actors probably come from like acting families and stuff like yeah. that so they know what's going on but how how do you have you ever talked to them or do you know how they kind of dealt with this very you know unique experience oh it'd be such a big convert to have i don't think i've ever even as tempted it i think you can't, i think i just kind of know that like they obviously make a big deal out of it than I do. And they were definitely, you know, gas parents get, they were, they were very excited about the whole thing. And I remember in my house, they, they got like a big old box of all the, uh, 
magazines and like newspapers and stuff and all and like everything that I was in effectively. Um, and they're very proud about it, you know. Typical North London parents, they'll, they'll gas up their, their kid to whoever whoever will listen. Um, but yeah, I, I get the feeling it was probably an adjustment, but um, I, I obviously like the whole idea of like kid acting is so kind of controversial because of because there are kind of historical bad cases of it but mine was pretty there weren't any there was a pretty you know smooth road we didn't have any issues for pretty much yeah the entire the entire way through yeah and i never really encountered like a problem so do you feel that was maybe uh, partly because of your parents as well and the attitude they had towards it and as you say they wanted to make sure that you were always having a good time with it hmm. yeah yeah i, I can't I can't, uh, I have to, I always kind of gas on my parents every um, every possible stage for, for being that. They've always been really good about kind of me being independent insofar as they they don't care what I'll, like they'll support me in whatever I do as long as I like give a go at it um, and, and kind of don't take the piss. Um, and yeah, that was the same, like they were never, uh, they were never uh, pressuring and I guess I didn't at the time. I don't even think I necessarily appreciate that it as much because I have to say, like it was, it was a pretty, pretty similar case with the uh, other families in Outnumbered. You know, um, that whole show had like uh, on the directors and the production side of it. It was so well catered to to children because obviously children made up such a big aspect of the show. Like they designed all of it to be a comfortable environment for us. And on our side, like all three of us got on and none of us had like the stereotypical pushy stage parent. So, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, because um, what you associate with child actors, you hear a lot of horror stories. Maybe it's more Hollywood, um, you know, people being yeah. pushed into things for a very young age, parents not keeping a close eye on them and stuff like that. But it seems like your experience mm. couldn't have been further from that. Um, mm. And you mentioned as well the cast. So are they people that you still keep in touch with now then? Um, bits and bobs. I mean, obviously everyone's doing their own their own thing, but we all still have a a like contact link. Um, I obviously keep in closer touch with uh, the siblings um, because they're just kind of closer to my age. I mean, I'm to be honest, I'm at an age now where I could probably go out for a pint with with you and Claire, and I might might just do that. But um, in terms of yeah, Ramona and Tiger, obviously, kind of, they're the they're the ones that are around my age. They're the ones that I'm kind of more likely to see. And yeah, I do. Uh, Mona's at uni in Manchester. I have her on all social media, and and we kind of she lives in South London. So uh, when she's not at uni, obviously. Um, so you know, we bumped into each other at stuff before. Kind of, we're part of that same sort of London hour, and she's only a year below me as well. So we we're kind of very got a lot of mutuals kind of very interchangeable group and then um tiger's a little bit older but again still to, uh, still staying in contact um our parents are all in in good contact arguably kind of they they do a better job of maintaining it than we do because obviously we're we're young we're just kind of thinking about other stuff um and yeah so tiger tiger's still pursuing acting uh and like never stopped he didn't he didn't kind of take any time off uni or anything like that and He's he did a uh, a play a couple months ago, I think, like this time last year around. And, and yeah, me and my mum went to see that. So did Mona and her mum. 
So yeah, right. we whenever we all back each other whenever we do something, and like we do, just kind of stay in general contact. I think that seems like a very positive thing as you're saying. Like um, playing a family must be it must be quite an interesting dynamic. Spending how long did you say it was ten years playing yeah. or portraying a family. Yeah. Um, it must almost not become real, but uh, those links must be very genuine after that amount of time. Yeah, because um, especially kind of the nature, the, the the way it was filmed, where it was we'd film it in blocks. So every time we did a season, we wouldn't kind of spread it out. It'd be six, seven, maybe eight weeks of just kind of straight every day of the week. You're in there. Um, obviously, we were at school, so we were we had an onset tutor mm. who tutored us kind of in our in our hours not on set. Um, and yeah, that's that's every day for those however many weeks for like a good a good portion of the day. Um, where you're either on set with someone or you're in the tutor room with someone. And so obviously, like especially between the three siblings, we did kind of develop real unique linkages because obviously like that's, it's such a unique situation to find, find yourself in, you know, where like you find yourself stuck with people that amount of time. Um, thank God we got on, my God, uh, literally. Yeah, can you imagine? Yeah, yeah literally, thank God we got on. Uh, but yeah, but I, I I imagine it's probably quite difficult not to in that in that situation because um, yeah, as I said, that's every day for two months, and then ages where you'll barely see them. Like, I'd see them at a press thing, or if we were filming a special, which usually took about a week. But there were big big periods of time where I wouldn't see them, and then another two months where you see them every day, and then repeat, repeat, and yeah, it does kind of develop one of those relationships where yeah, I don't have to see Mona. And tiger for you know all the time but when i do i know that we're still close and i know that we still kind of know what we're doing and we're on good form absolutely and when you went back so you were having tutoring on set for a couple of months at a time when you then went back to school um kind of mainstream school how did yeah. you find that did you find people would treat you differently at all or did you find that slightly difficult to adjust to no nah, not really um i mean a lot of the, a lot of the time we did it was in primary school um which was kind of very normal uh and so yeah i just kind of i'd pop off and i'd come back and it'd be good to see all my friends again and and because like you're getting a better standard of teaching in terms of contact hours and like, the amount of attention that could be focused on you so um even though you know you're not in an actual school environment you still get a really good education and i remember at points i'd come back and i'd I'd almost be ahead of the syllabus just because, you know, it's just when it's just when it's one tutor and three pupils that like, he's able to devote so much time to you and like you learn in those crucial kind of learning years so much quicker. Um, secondary school is a bit different, obviously, because uh, I I went to um, I got into UCS for for uh, from year seven onwards. I got a um, a bursary to UCS and. That was kind of a bit of a change up. Um, and that was weird because obviously I was entering an environment where I wasn't Daniel. I was kind of already known arriving at the school. But because it's a school and it's quite a close environment, and because of the way that UCS is as a school, um, it became pretty normal quick. I didn't do it much while I was there. I think I only took, uh, I, I don't think 
it clashed much in terms of seasons. And I remember it was like the odd special, and I think maybe a season or two. God, that's, that's bad that I can't remember that. Um, remember the early years really well, like four to six is just locked yeah, yeah, in your brain. But then, yeah, but what happened between like school. them? Yeah. God knows. Um, but yeah, I remember it like it wasn't, it wasn't ever an issue. Um, and it was always quite cool because at that age as well, you start um, kind of going out to parties and you like start seeing your friends and stuff. Um, I remember it was very cool kind of going off and, and working and then being able to like pop back in and see my friends. So because obviously other times for a lot of that, it was genuinely like two months away from every other friend because you're a kid. So you're not kind of getting up to that much on the weekends. Um, but once I go to secondary school and you do get up to that on the weekends, like it was almost the best of both worlds because I was seeing my friends and, and actually kind of maintaining a social life while still partaking in, you know, such a fun and, and, and good, good thing to be a part of. hundred percent. And you obviously seem like you've kept a very level head about everything, but you can sometimes see when you get people that have a bit of fame at a certain age, especially like, you know, teens, um, it seems to have quite a big effect on them. I guess if you're surrounded by people telling you you're this or that or bigging you up all the time, did you find there was anything you did to, or did you ever find you struggle with that, having that sense of celebrity around you when you were that age and when you were developing? No, I mean, um, for one, it started at such a young age that I, I don't really know any different. You know, it's not as if I, it's not as if I was kind of raised out of normality by it like that was my view that was my life period you know I didn't I didn't kind of have a moment or at least a moment that I could remember because the moment happened when I was like four where I kind of went from not doing it to suddenly doing it and all of a sudden was awash with all this stuff like it was very gradual and and nothing happened at a rate that I kind of couldn't adapt to it plus my parents always made a massive point about uh, keeping, keeping my feet on the ground. I don't, I don't necessarily, necessarily think I was like a challenge in that regard. I don't think they had to do that much work there, but definitely any time they saw any hint of me kind of going too far into the, or going too far away from normal life and kind of maybe showing signs of getting, like, getting a bit haughty, um, they'd, they'd put me in a place. <laughs> they yeah. pull me down it sounds yeah. like they were a pretty good support structure throughout that journey yeah. for you as well then. yeah, yeah. They definitely were. they still are they're banging yeah nice right shout out to the parents yeah shout out to tony and judy roche love it um yeah. and so you mentioned as well before that um it's something that you you still you well it's interesting because all of your memories seem to be very fond of it so it doesn't seem to be there was any major negative drawbacks for you um and it's something that you're still interested in pursuing later in life then that you might get back into. Yeah. I mean, like it, I would have, I would have carried it through. Uh, if I, I say that, I don't know. Um, cause it's very difficult because there's a period of, there's a number of years where, um, I think from like 13 to 18 where a lot of the roles that you could get picked to play, um, they can pick an 18-year-old who looks 15 and is kind of more, you know, um, what's the word, economical? I don't know. Uh, 
they not have they like, the rules the, around them where they can act at certain yeah, times like and stuff like that. There's less regulations surrounding them. Like you have to pay them adult pay. We got kid pay, obviously. You have to pay them adult pay, which is a drawback. But in terms of kind of just the efficiency of production and the yeah, the ease of production. You I don't do have to make any wigs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um uh, yeah, they can don't have to have a wig budget anymore. Um so uh that happened. Like I hit those years and obviously work slowed down. Um and then that kind of combined with school starting to take off. So that that hit around see the the real moment of this was I think it was series four. Um maybe, yeah, I think so. May, maybe five. Um one of the later ones where like I think I was like year nine, year tenish, and yeah, I was kind of approaching that age where yeah, I wasn't really getting many jobs at that point other than voiceovers, um, and school was starting to get a bit more serious. Like at that point, GCSEs are on the horizon. You're distant, but they're still there. And then after that's A levels, and after that's uni. So it is a kind of consistent workload from there, and that combined with that was when rugby really started to take off for me. Um, so that was the kind of point where I got scouted for county. Um, and then that led into uh, academy, which I was with for four years. And so there was like two, like school and, you know, the working with WAS um, that kind of incentivized me to, to move away from it for those years because I wasn't missing out on much, you know, there weren't many jobs coming for me like in those years anyway. Um, and and so yeah, if I could have carried through, I probably would have, you know, in terms of steady supply of jobs. But you know, I I don't I don't regret it at all. Um, it might not it might make a kind of re-entry a bit more of a, a gamble and, and uh, a bit less certain. But at the same time, like I've done well at school, um, uh, and I'm kind of happy that uh, kind of I didn't you know waste the education and my uni. Uh, and in terms of rugby, especially like, uh, you know, I, I I didn't, I never thought I was going to get a pro contract, but even to kind of be part of, part of the semi-pro system for those four years, like did so much for my fitness, for like your discipline and like such a cool thing to be a part of. Um, yeah, like I'll, I'll treasure those years always. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's a great CV to have. By the time you're kind of 18, 19, you've already acted for 10 years in a really successful program. You played semi-professionally uh, sport at that, a really high level. So, I mean, I'd say maybe you probably retire there, to be honest. You take a few boxes. Uh, it's, just, it's, just trying to, it's just trying to keep it going at this point. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, to be honest as well, it seems like now's a good time to have when the government's turned around telling everyone that's in the arts to basically rethink their careers and yeah. retrain. So, you know, maybe the smart decision there as well, go get the degree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, that was the whole purpose of this. Plus, like, I get the feeling that uni is such a kind of pivotal experience for so many, so many kind of young Brits that I would be missing out. Like, all of my friends, pretty much. There's like a couple that do work around London um and yeah most of those are in the creative sector and uh it's intimidating as hell looking at the grind that they've had to put in to do it um but at the same time like i definitely would have I'd, I'd be getting fomo whatever was going on if i had it now that i'm here i'm obviously like oh maybe i should have stayed with the acting because obviously it's scary like um 
it's a difficult industry to go back into. There, there is a surplus of talent, um, uh, and there's kind of fewer jobs, especially now. There's even fewer jobs, and like a, tons of actors capable enough to fulfil them. Um, and so, yeah, it's always a risky industry, and there's a chance that it won't work out. So, I obviously I deal with the doubts of, um, you know, was this the right choice? Have I kind of blown it there? But then on the other hand, like I can guarantee, if I was trying to grind out that creative, those creative years now, looking at all my friends, kind of living it up in their uni years, getting those, getting these years and like these experiences, which you won't ever get an opportunity to do again. Like, you know, you just got to stick with, got to stick with your guns. You got to stick with what you do, you know? hundred percent. Yeah. I don't think it was a bad decision at all. I think, you know, you get the, the best of both there as well. Have an authentic experience at uni. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's pretty much all we've got time for there. But I just want to say from, from my side, huge thank you for joining us. Really interesting look at a very unique experience that you obviously had growing up. Yeah, yeah, it's been a, been a bit of a mad one. But thanks for having me. It's been fun.